Good morning and welcome to Moment of Truth. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And Ottawa at 95.7, Toronto 106.5 FM. And also uh, you could listen on the Radio Player Canada app. Uh, download that app and type in 95.7 ELMNTFM or 106.5 ELMNTFM. And you can listen on uh, your choice of device uh, across the country. We have a very special program for you today, and in the studio, I am joined by two people, Tasha Hubbard and Jade Tutusis, and uh, they are here to talk about a film that's going to be opening tomorrow, and uh, that film is We Will Stand Up, Napa with... I know I have this. Nipowitz Damasuin. Thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> I knew I was going to get tongue tied. I'm very uh, grateful that the two of you uh, are here today and to talk about the film. Uh, I viewed this film last night uh, with, uh, with a screener that was sent to me, and, and I appreciate that. And uh, it, it's a. Uh, this this film we will stand up is uh, about uh, uh, the main story is the Colton Bushi story and uh, what happened to him, uh, but there are other things involved with that and uh, with the with the story as it goes through uh, some very interesting uh, uh, segments that uh, flesh out the story more on a side that we haven't really heard about. Also uh, talking about the history of Saskatchewan to some degree and bringing us uh, some of the history that. Um, that, that has shaped that part of, of Canada. And so I want to welcome Tasha and Jade uh, to the studio this morning. Thanks for coming in. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. You know, I, uh, I feel I, of course, have an advantage to some degree because I feel like I know, I know you or I've expo- exposed to, to you from the film a little bit. So, um, you know, I've seen a little bit of you speaking. I've seen a little bit of your journey. And... Um, so I'm very moved by what I saw, and I uh, I want to say, I guess, right off the top, I did say this to you in, in person, but I want to uh, issue my condolences uh, to the family and, um, and and appreciate that your strength in your, your whole family in, in bringing this story forward and sharing it, and also to uh, uh, Tasha for your you, you know you bringing this story forward as well. And I'm sure it was very difficult for you, um, but it's it's powerful and it's a story, of course, we need to know. And and I think that, of course, is why you you decided to bring this forward. So, um, where would you like to to start with this story? I mean, the, the movie is going to launch tomorrow uh, at the screener, and um, and that is going to be um, at the Hot Docs, uh, Ted Rogers Cinema. 9.45, is that a.m. or p.m.? P.m. It doesn't say here, so just to be sure. So if anyone is in the area and wants to see that, they can get to the Hot Docs Rogers, uh, Ted Rogers Cinema at 9.45 p.m. It's also going to be uh, at the uh, Tiff Bell Lighthouse, uh, Light Box uh, 2 Theater, and that's at 1 p.m. on Saturday, and then again Saturday, May 4th uh, at 10 a.m. at the Isabel uh, Bader Theater. So... You know, I saw a great many things in this film, and I'm not sure uh, where to start because it touches on so many, so many things, and so many issues. And and you know, uh, I I know that that you you brought some questions in that you wanted to talk about here, and and many of them are are some of the the same ones that I had listed without even seeing this. Uh, Tasha, one of the things I wanted to say is that you you bring your son into the film. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was very interesting, and and I know that I thought you know some people would want to keep their kids away from it, and and I guess what I'm wondering about is from this experience, from uh, you doing this film, what 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 has your son felt? What has your son taken away from this? Mm-hmm. Well, children like my son and my nephew don't have the luxury of not knowing the kind of things that happen in this country. Um, I think the idea of, you know, and I think that's what I had to deal with in the beginning was to undo some of my privilege um, based on, you know, 
on what I do and and my career and all the and, and sort of having this false sense of I could I could keep them safe and then realizing because of who they are and how they look and how they're perceived right how they're perceived um, that's not true and that's not possible so you know we've always had to have conversations about racism that's their reality and you know as I say in the film. Um, I don't ever want my son to believe the things that are said about him or internalize people's attitudes towards him to think it's something wrong with him Mm -hmm. when he's ignored or, 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 you know, all of these different things. So we've already had to have those conversations Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's awful. Who would Mm -hmm. want, who wants to have to have that and, and yet, you know, to protect his sense of self. That's, sure. that's, and, you know, so he, uh, you know, he loves the family, you know, he loves, you know, Jade is his auntie Jade and, mm. and he, he cares a lot about Debbie and, mm. and the brothers and mm-hmm. those he's met. Um, you know, he is deeply, deeply saddened by the loss of Colton and it's also sometimes overwhelming, sure. you know, to to understand the you know the reality of growing up Indigenous in the prairies. So, you know, my job has also been to, you know, um, focus on um, the beauty and the love and the caring for each other that is also a part of this film. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to say that that you want to do that in in, in his best a positive way as, as possible so that there isn't, uh, they don't carry that, that stigma with them, like you say, mm-hmm. to move beyond it, to realize that it's not, it's not about them, it's, and then, that it's not their, their issue, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so why did you want to make this film? I don't, I think want is the wrong verb. Okay. <laughs> I think that um I felt I felt you know so much sorrow for the family and you know I was thinking about in the days following Colton's death I was thinking about the history of our area and the attitudes in our area and being confronted with the social media posts and mm-hmm. you know that our reminder of how, you know, a certain segment of the population views Indigenous people. Um, you know, I, I felt like I had to do something, like mm. I, I had to do something. And mm. I was originally going to write um, a blog post about how I felt um, about his death, the circumstances around them, and uh, around it, and also some of the history, and, and sort of blend that in. And then my birth dad and his partner came to visit me actually the the day of Colton's funeral they came to stay with me and of course we that's all anyone was talking about was what had happened and they just encouraged me they said you're a filmmaker you mm. know you need to make a film about mm. this and sometimes i get told that by in other circumstances and i'm like mm, i don't know if that's the story for that's mm. that's the right story for me to tell right. like Sure. I think about that. Who's mm-hmm. am I the best person to tell this story? Mm-hmm. And in this case, I just because I'm from there and I understand the issues and I knew, you know, I've known Jade since she was a teenager. And, mm-hmm. You know, she's married to my cousin and mm-hmm. my dad's partner is related to the family. Um, you know, they they said, yeah, we will help you. You know, we'll help you. And and yeah, so it, it just it I just had seen a lot of issues around indigenous uh, peoples in our area that um, don't get the attention they deserve or they get um, misrepresented Mm. in in the mainstream media Mm -hmm. and therefore in people's minds. And I didn't want that to happen in this case. You know, I wanted the family to have a chance to be heard about what it's like to find themselves in this horrible situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jade, why why do you think your your family decided to um, to allow this film to be made and, and be part of it? Um, 
I I have seen a bit of Tasha's work prior to with Two Worlds Colliding and uh, with Birth of a Family and uh, just knowing her previously a bit as well, it instilled a bit of trust mm. in us to trust her with with telling our story and sharing sharing it and um, just very appreciative that she she came forward and and offered this this support mm. in this way. And it's not a way in which we, we would have foresaw or thought of doing initially, but she presented, you know, like this is something that I would be able to do. And um, if you're, if you would like to work with me on this, you know, and we had many conversations around it. And at the end of it, we decided that this is, this is something important that needs to be told and shared and, we felt that she was she was a good person to be able to to help us in that way and uh ever since then she's been nothing but respectful and and worked with us and included us and stood by us in in many capacities and we're just ever so grateful for her for her support and her all of her hard work mm. so i have another question for you and that is are are you uh are you here today because of your kukum <laughs> she is definitely um and why I say that is because in the film you 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 mentioned that you've always been there listening to your kukum and at at one point uh you spoke up and then afterwards your kukum said to you you are going to start talking. <laughs> well, yeah, like um kinship wise, you don't you don't speak in front of your kukum or to your mm. grandparents. Mm. You you're there to to listen, to learn from them, to grow, and to take direction from them. So, it's not too often that my my kukum had heard me talk in a different capacity mm. other than about family or powwows, but to talk about colonialism and settler violence and different things that I had uh, I had learned in the short time that I I've you know been present on this planet, and um, it had taken her back. Quite a bit that after she heard, she just uh, sat me down and said, from now on, you're going to talk. And as mentioned, when Cookham tells you you're going to do something, you don't <laughs> you don't argue <laughs> or question. You just you take that direction because she sees something mm-hmm. and um, she she saw something within me and uh, believed in what I was capable of, of doing and as a means to support my family and my late brother. And um, she gave me that that confidence to do that and. Since then, I've been surrounded by other Nehia Escuelos, other women who uh, who also share that that passion and that gift and that courage, and they've given me definitely quite a bit of courage as well as my family. So. Mm. Um, can I ask how many how many brothers and sisters are in your family? Oh, <laughs> that's a okay. I'll have to start counting. <laughs> like we're a very big family. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. How difficult of a process was the in the editing end of this to mm. put it together? Yeah, it was it was a very big job, and um, I had worked with my editor Hans Olsen with Birth of a Family, mm. and we had developed a really like trust filled relationship because even though it wasn't a film about my you know it wasn't a personal film. Um, mm. The birth of a family was about the 60s scoop, and that's been my experience mm. as well. And so there were things in that film that would, you know, make make me emotional, and I'd work through it. And he just gave me that safe space, and it was very similar for mm. this project. Mm. Um, we watched every single piece of footage together, and and then it was around, you know, we had so much material. We, you know, we weren't expecting when we started the film that there would be an acquittal. Um, and, uh, you know, and then as a result, the family's decision to, you know, really take their story, Mm. you know, provincially, federally, internationally. And because we'd been with them from the beginning, it was expected we'd be there and they hoped we, and we, you know, we just went with them Mm -hmm. and the story got bigger. So we had a lot of footage and, um, yeah, it, it took a lot of time to, you know, and then I was also wanting to weave in the history exactly. and wanting yeah. to um, sort of bookend the film 
and you know with my own position mm-hmm. and be open about that like mm-hmm. this is how, where i'm coming from as an indigenous person mm-hmm. who's connected to this area but who was also raised by farmers by a mm-hmm. farm family and what that brings and that i'm bringing that perspective to this film you know um it's a lot of times i think every documentary does that documentary filmmaker does bring that it's mm-hmm. just the films aren't always structured in a way that that's obvious and i wanted to be more open and i saw some of the potential of being able to do that. So it was complicated. It was a long process. And, you know, I really, really, you know, took a lot of time with the balance of it, right? Mm. How Mm. much of my story, how much, you know, I never wanted to overshadow the importance and and the core of what the film really is about, which is is Colton and the family. Mm. So that was tough. You know, it was Mm -hmm. a lot of back and forth, like, nope, that's too much. Nope, that's too little you know, finding where it, it, it felt okay, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, it was a long process, although sure. we didn't have a lot of time because we'd, mm. we'd wanted to um, get into hot dogs. That was the sure. hope. So we condensed right. a lot <laughs> into a short period of time. Yeah. Well, but you did get a lot into the film. I mean, you, yeah. you certainly got the story, I think, captured, and mm-hmm. uh, so so well done on your, your part. Yeah. And... Um, it, you know, uh, something that, as you were talking, that 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 came as a as, that I wrote down actually was uh, it, it had to do with Colton and uh, something that he had said, and I'm not sure if you had alluded to this or if if your mom had said this, but uh, Colton uh, said something about the world would be a better place mm-hmm. if everyone would just grab a good book and go sit under a tree. Yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful statement to make. Mm-hmm. Very very peaceful statement it, it it was you know debbie had said that in mm. in our first interview with her mm. um and that you know that interview was to you know open up a space to talk about who colton was as mm. a person because mm-hmm. that was you know missing from a lot of the press coverage it sure was yeah and um and so you know it uh it was it was hard for her, mm-hmm. you know, sure. it was still so soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, we we worked together to find the right time, mm. you know, that where she felt able. And, um, you know, I think it, it why it, it it's in the film is, is the same thing. It really just struck me like we're living in an age of reactiveness and bullet point information and yeah. um, headlines. And I think that, you know, what's lost is that contemplation and that empathy and understanding. And that's really what this young boy had so much wisdom already at mm-hmm. that age, right? Mm-hmm. To know that this is what we need. We need to have that time under a tree in nature, yeah. reading and learning, right? right? That that's, yeah. that's going to be, you know, what makes the world a better place. And, and I think that's, if that's all that people come away with, you know, Colton's wisdom in that mm. moment, then then that's that's enough. And I and I think that's what it does show is that that side of him. Something as you mentioned, we don't get to see. We didn't get to see a lot of that. We didn't get to see that that exploration of him uh, and that that side of of what happened. You know, uh, the media tends to focus on what will grab headlines mm-hmm. and what makes a statement that they can uh, either. You know, uh, uh, get the most uh, attention with, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so, to to have, as I say, that side of it shown, and uh, and and uh, your family and the proceedings. You know, some of the things that happened in that proceedings as it as it went through, as you say, as things developed in front of you as you were doing this, mm-hmm. and have those things included, uh, makes it for a, a very a very compelling film and. Uh, mm-hmm. And is, and, and is, uh, you know, just makes for, um, just grateful to hear that side of thing, to hear those things that it, that came out. It's also though there is not only uh, pain for your family, uh, it's painful to watch and see the comments and hear some of the comments that are made. Um, you know, you just can't, it's very difficult to see and realize that these people, some of them standing up in this public meeting that it's captured in the film, 
and saying the things they are. It's, it's as if they're not realizing they're talking about other human beings, you know? And that gets lost on myself as well. I, I don't understand, I can't really understand in terms of where those perspectives, attitudes, or those comments are derived from, because that's not something I would think to say or express about anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's something my family and I have had conversations upon that, you know, this entire journey, we've never wished ill will upon anybody else with re- with regards to the loss of my brother, but to build people's awareness and to reflect on their attitudes and perspectives as to why, where is that, where is that um, anger or at times that hate coming from and what can we do to change that so that those attitudes are not being passed, passed on because something has to change. Yes. Um, we have to take a short pause, so we will take this pause, and we will be right back on Moment of Truth and Element FM with uh, Tasha Hubbard and Jade Tutusis, uh speaking more about We Will Stand Up right after this. Welcome back to Element FM and Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. In the studio with me this morning, I have Tasha Hubbard and Jade Tutusis. They are here to talk about a film that is opening at Hot Docs tomorrow, We Will Stand Up. And uh, Tasha, do you want to say the name for me once more in Cree? Nipawistamasuin. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciate that. And um, just to give you the dates once again, if you're interested, tomorrow at 9.45 p.m. at Hot Docs at the Ted Rogers Cinema, this film will be uh, airing and uh, being viewed. Then on Saturday, April 27th at 1 p.m. at the Tiff Bell Lightbox Theatre 2, and then the following Saturday, May 4th, at 10 a.m. at the Isabel Bader Theater. And what are the plans for this film to be released, uh, you know, nationally or, or in other areas? Mm-hmm. So we do have a, a limited theatrical mm-hmm. run that um, kicks off in Saskatoon mm-hmm. in mid-May and then rolls out into different cities. So right now we're looking at Regina, Edmonton. Toronto, um, and we're just waiting on Vancouver and Winnipeg to confirm. Ottawa? Uh, not yet, <laughs> but <laughs> could, it could happen. <laughs> You're, give me a call. But uh, <laughs> and um, and then of course you know it'll be uh, you know open for community mm. screenings, invitations, other mm. festivals. We're in Doxa in Vancouver on mm. May eighth and 9th. Mm. and and then a shorter version of the film will air on CBC mm. Point of View Docs mm. in the fall, sometime in November, okay. I think. We're, they haven't given us a for sure date, but right. um, but uh, we've got six months to, to okay. have the film go into theaters. Right. Now, when you say a shorter version, what, mm-hmm. what do you mean? Well, CBC Point of View Docs um, is a 44-minute broadcast hour, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. actually that was the original plan for mm-hmm. the film, was mm-hmm. to do um, CBC came on about a year into the process and um, and I think the plan was to make a 44 minute for them and then maybe a 50 minute for education mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't till the acquittal mm. Um, mm. and the story growing right. that we realized the film would be a feature right okay uh, Jade can you would you mind telling us a little bit more about your brother Colton who was he <laughs> um I always remember him as a very kind, uh, compassionate, and a hardworking young man. Uh, I had gotten married in Edmonton, and my husband and I decided to have a round dance as our reception. Mm. And my brothers and my family all came from Saskatchewan, and they. Uh, I just remember him walking through the door with his brothers, Jason William, and they're like, you know, what do you need, sis? And I'm like, oh, we got to put the teepee up in the corner. And, you know, I barely looked away. And when I looked back, he was one of the first ones grabbing the poles mm-hmm. and tying the top. And, you know, once they were done that, as we were decorating throughout the rest of the night, you know, what else do you need? Oh, we need firewood, you know, so that I'll need a fire keeper. And mm-hmm. he was one of those people that was always wanting to help and was not, was not willing, was not like, um, how do you say, he wasn't afraid of getting his hands dirty. He liked the hands-on aspects, the hands-on things. And and this is something that many people in my community also have spoken upon 
of him being present to watch the fire for wakes and going to round dances and seeing him doing the raffles. I have a really awesome picture of him holding this big TV that they're walking around raffling. And <laughs> and I was nervous because, you know, like, that's a it was a big TV. And if one trip or step, you know, like, but he's pretty confident that he had a good handle on it. And mm. he's like, the people need to see what they're going to win. You know, like, he was... He was very outgoing, and um, and I've, I've said it before, I think with all of this attention, he would be a bit bashful and shy because he, he mm. was very humble as well. He didn't mm. boast about the things that he, he did for his family or for his community, and um, I just, uh, we miss him every day. We miss him every day. What were his hopes and aspirations? Do you know where he, what he wanted to do? He liked cooking. Mm. He really did like cooking. Like, once again, he liked hands-on things, so... Um, he would find them in the kitchen at times trying different recipes or mixing different spices and just uh, he really he enjoyed eating food and he liked making it. So <laughs> I think that was something that he would have he would have went further upon had he still been with us. And he, I understand he he went through and got his uh, firefighting, something to do with firefighting. Yeah. So my community does offer a number of uh, life skills and different courses and classes to build your skills and um, I believe firefighting was one of those aspects that they were offering to the community. And that was something he he was also passionate upon, like even watching the news. If you were today, you'd see that grass fires are kind of rampant right now in the Battlefords area. So he would have been right out there trying to trying to save the community from these aspects. And mm. yeah. Your role as, I guess, maybe the, the family spokesperson uh, you know, you, you, you're represented a lot in the film as making statements and, and uh, being out there. You you made your presentation to the U.N., which was quite a, you know, I'm sure that uh, I could see after that they drained you. Uh, there's a there's a shot of you after coming out and standing there and just almost collapsing into the arms of someone and just crying. And, and I, I could feel that. I, I knew that that I could I could see that that weighed heavy on you, that. But it was also, I guess, a moment that you weren't expecting, right? Because they, you, six o'clock came, they closed the doors at six o'clock, and they made a special, uh, a, a special um, uh, arrangement so that you could uh, make that statement on behalf of your family. That was quite something. That was quite remarkable. That was, uh, that was a pretty big moment, I think, for all of us, and it, it, um, I held sage in my hand as I spoke. And I remember reading the words over and over that day and reading them with my auntie and, you know, making sure that this is something that we all feel strongly upon and what I was going to say. And um, when it closed off that day, you know, it was a bit of disappointment and feeling exhaustion because, like I mentioned, we miss Colton every single day and every time we have to talk about him or, or you know, share our experience, our our, our pain, uh, I have to channel that strength, mm -hmm. that strength. And I get that from the people around me who stand with me, who sit with me. And um, that sage in my hand channeling, you know, like our ancestors to be with us, for Colton to be present with us in those moments. And and saying those words, they come directly from my heart when I speak. And so coming outside after the United Nations and just taking a breath of fresh air outside. It just, you know, I was able to release a bit of that tension that that I was feeling, that heaviness that I was feeling, and and just a sense of relief that 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 we we were able to speak that day, and um, with the prayers that it, it is received in a good way, and so uh, it was just being able to take a breath afterwards. Can I ask what happened in the moments when that we didn't see between that time when it was six o'clock, it was closing, they were going to close, that you didn't have a chance, you lost your opportunity, you weren't on the speaker's list, and then all of a sudden we see they're making this this change. They're going to allow you to make a statement. What what happened in there? So they closed it off, and as we're, you know, we me and my, my auntie, Debbie, we look at each other and we're like, it's the end of the day and we're not speaking and... Like I said, just a bit of disappointment and even frustration. Um, 
and I, I'm starting to gather my stuff and my auntie, she just stood straight up and she stood tall and she held Colton's picture up as high as she could to everybody around her. And I believe that got the attention of the officials, the delegates mm. on the stage. They saw her standing and holding that picture and um, that's when they, they motioned for us just to wait, mm. just to wait. And so my auntie, you know, she, she sat back down and we took out all of our stuff and... um. We were able to speak. They re, like you said, they reopened the floor and made those arrangements for us to have that opportunity. So yeah. that that was pretty special. That was yeah. And I mean, one of the things that we realized when we got there is that people already knew mm-hmm. the mm. family yeah. and knew who they were and knew that they yeah. were there and why they were there. And so, you know, um, a couple of people who go have gone to the permanent forum for many years. Um, you know, we're there in support. Mm. And, um, you know, I think it, it just, uh, you know, Colton's story is, has touched people everywhere, Indigenous people who in their own, you know, in their own homelands are experiencing similar injustices. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think it, it, it was a combination, as, as Jade said, of, of people's prayers because so many people were supporting them of, you know, and, and Debbie's just refusal to to not, you know, to mm-hmm. to to take that story yes. and his picture yes. everywhere, um, you know, mm-hmm. to to the political support that the family has um, yeah. in different places. So, no, that was something that um, really came out. I think in that scene when you were in the UN and Debbie is holding up that picture and moving it around and showing everyone around, and someone behind her is. And but she was holding. She was very determined that she was going to get that out there. Well, that's when they got the signal from the chair Mm, that they were going to be able to speak. So that's why they were like, "It's okay, (laughs) it's okay, Debbie. We're we're going to be able to go." You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a a very strong moment, and and you know, it is a it is a bit of light in this film that shows that you know that that it was nice that you were able to do that and. It, it, what did you hear after that? What came out of that? Anything? Um, following that, there were just uh, a huge amount of support. Once again, people came forward to express support. Um, people wanted to follow up with us afterwards. But in terms of our request for the special rapporteur coming in and doing an external investigation to the systemic racism, uh, that has yet to be fulfilled. So that's one of the things that we're continuing to advocate and mm. advance for is that invitation and cooperation from the government upon the special rapporteur coming to Canada. And um, and that is something else. What else are you working on as a family? What else are you trying to move forward? Uh, there, Well, there are a number of things that we are still advocating for. We're calling on a royal commission mm-hmm. to once again address the systemic racism that exists within Canada's legal systems Uh, We're calling on a full public inquiry specifically into the death of my late brother, Colton Bushy, Mm -hmm. as well as the investigation, the trial, and the acquittal. And still the special rapporteur. And we're still pressing for meaningful change to the jury selection process. So that's something that we're, we're continuing to call advances upon. But one of the things really close to my heart as well is um, putting pressure on the government to enhance victim supports for Indigenous families and people as they grieve, heal, and seek justice for their loved ones. Because that's something that definitely uh, uh, I saw I saw lacking in this process. Mm. So it was a lot of community that came forward to support us instead of uh, actual resources put in place prior to. Right. So, so you, were, you were just reading from uh, something that I understand that your, the family is going to be making a statement tomorrow. Is this, will will they, this be at the film? Yes. Okay. And is there going to be a and a or something afterwards or what's happening? Um, we're doing um, uh, basically uh, with the uh, director of the festival is going to do a Q&A mm. with, the, with the, the family and, mm. and myself. Um, yeah. So there'll be, you know, I think we have a pretty good idea of what people's main questions are mm. and we'll, we'll have that at the end of the film. And uh, more of your family will be there for this? Yeah, 
Yeah, so um, uh, quite a few of them are traveling today. Uh, my my brother's Jace William, my sister Sat, and my auntie Debbie is also my uncle Elvin, our uh, our lawyer Eleanor Sunchild. So they're all they're all traveling today, and I'm I'm excited for especially my brothers and my sister coming in. It'll be their first time on a plane, so. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they're nervous, but um, very excited for mm-hmm. the travels and to be present. Right. right. Something we don't hear about in this uh, in the story very much at all is is about the other people that were involved, and I'm, I was wondering how are they, how are they doing? Uh, are who, you? Who do you mean? Yeah. The people that were with him. Oh, the witnesses. Yeah. Oh, the the other youth that yes. were in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. How are they doing? That's definitely, uh, I can't speak for them in terms of how they're doing. Uh, my hopes are that, that, you know, that they're taking care of themselves. And and um, because as you know, that they, they were also victims within mm. this entire situation. And so they too deserve justice for the things that they endured. And uh, our prayers and our thoughts are always with them. And, and that is something that was um, spoken about in the film, is that, uh, that these people, the, the witnesses that came forward, were, were treated more like suspects. And, and you know, in, in, the, in this tragedy. And um, that was pointed out. I believe your lawyer mentioned that as well a couple of times in the film. And, and you guys bring that out as well. Um, were you surprised by that? Well, I think that um, yes and no. You know, I think that um, I think that uh, this is not uncommon. Mm. That when Indigenous people are find themselves to be witnesses of uh, violence against someone in you know in their circle, mm. that the assumptions made um, by the police are often that they are under suspicion as well. So this is something I've heard of and and have, you know, been told about in many situations. Mm. And so you know, I I think that we should we're not surprised, but we should all be shocked that that's yes. that that's the case and yes. that that is an area that needs attention as well is how are witnesses treated? You know, are they held in custody for many, many hours without sleep or, mm-hmm. you know, all of, you know, there's lots of factors here. Mm-hmm. And what are the attitudes given towards them? Are they being supported given what they've witnessed, you know, a violent crime against someone they care about? I mean, this this is an ongoing issue sure. that, you know, definitely was a factor in this case. Right. Okay, well, that's a, a good place for us to pause. Once again, we do have to take a short pause, but we will be right back on Moment of Truth and Element FM with Tasha Hubbard and Jade uh, Jade Tutusis and uh, talking more about We Will Stand Up right here on the show. Welcome back to Moment of Truth on, uh, on Element FM. You're listening in Toronto and Ottawa, 95.7 in Ottawa and 106.5 in Toronto. You can also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app. Uh, just typing in 95.7 ELMNTFM or 106.5 ELMNTFM and listen on your device of choice uh, on that Radio Player Canada app. In the studio with me today, I have two people associated with uh, the film and family uh, of We Will Stand Up. It's uh, it's a story of Colton Bushy and uh, his sister, uh, cousin Jade Tusis is here, as well as director Tasha Hubbard. I'm very honored to have them with me in the studio. We've been talking about some of the film. I'd like to explore, if you don't mind, some of the some of the other elements. Uh, after this, you had several meetings with politicians. Uh, you, you know, you, you there's a, a scene of you meeting the newly elected uh, Saskatchewan premier, as well as going to uh, Parliament Hill and meeting with several politicians there, and. And I'd like to to know what your sense is of of those meetings. Were you were you pleased with the outcome? What has happened with those meetings since then? What was your sense of of the, that whole process? In terms of going to Ottawa and the meetings, um, I didn't really have a a sense on what we were going to be doing or who we were going to speaking to. 
we wanted to make sure that we were telling our story because during the entire process, a lot of times we we weren't sharing the experience that we were going through in terms of giving the system a chance to to serve, to, to enact justice. And when we didn't experience that or feel it or, or see it, it, you know, like we wanted to make sure that we were vocalizing and sharing our story directly from ourselves, telling, telling our truths and what we endured. And going to Ottawa, meeting with the various ministers and officials, um, we took th- that opportunity to share our experience firsthand and for them to ask any questions. But following that trip to Ottawa, um, we, we haven't really had much follow-up with regards to those ministers. And once again, we're, we're here advocating and advancing a number of different things of actions that we're calling upon those officials within those positions to, to support and to, to, fo- to, to follow up on. So, um, and you met with a couple of, of, of senators as well, uh, Senator Sinclair uh, being one of them. And uh, he mentioned something about getting a law changed. Yeah. Um, so Senator Sinclair um, was the author of a report on the justice, the legal system in Manitoba and, and its treatment of Indigenous peoples. Mm. So this has been an area that he's been active in for many years and and I don't think he's, you know, you can have to ask him, but I don't think he's seen the change mm. that he's been working for <laughs> in mm. the way he'd like, in the mm. way all of us would like. Mm. I mean, you know, people can look up the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples in 1996, and sure. there's a whole volume on justice. Right. Yep. And I, you know, a lot of that has not been mm-hmm. taken up. So, you know, we find ourselves in this situation again and again, where mm-hmm. people are you know, competent and and brilliant people are working towards, you know, the change that needs to happen. And it's being met, you know, with, you know, half measures or it's not being looked at. And, you know, I, I just, we're all just at the point where enough already, like, let's, mm-hmm. this, this is about the future. This is about, um, you know, doing what's right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and that's going to take a lot of work, but you know that work's being done. It just needs to be met. Yeah, it just needs to be met. Yeah. And I think um, the law that there that he's discussing is is around juries and mm-hmm. the way in which, right. in certain jurisdictions, that the peremptory challenge can right. absolutely be used in the way that it was in this case, where five Indigenous people were in that first pool, mm-hmm. uh, who were all willing to serve, who were all competent people. Um, that the defense struck down. Yes. Um, Without pure, even having to give a reason. No reason. Yeah. And and so, you know, uh, um, and not even just the indigenous people, but anybody of color sure. was, was uh, struck down, uh, which wasn't really reported on. Right. You know, so what does that say mm-hmm. about, you know, the kind of, of, of system? Like, mm-hmm. how is that? How is mm-hmm. that fair? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I know there's been some movement. There was a bill introduced. I'm not sure where it's quite at. Um, I think it's might be in the Senate now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's one measure. It's a measure I think that's a good one, but it, it's one measure. And right. there's so many more that need to yeah. be addressed. And you met with some some very, uh, uh, as far as the, the government is, goes, you met with some fairly uh, very high up people, Ralph Goodale, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould. You met with the Prime Minister, um, as I mentioned, a couple of senators. You also met with uh, the NDP leader, Jagmeet Singh, um, and and he was another person that voiced that concern that, you know, the, the victims were being treated as uh, suspects in, in this process. What was your sense of, of meeting with him and, and talking with him? Um, he seemed to be very genuine and and sympathetic. Understanding to the situation, and that may that may be in part due to you know just his own experiences himself. But it just he's very, he seemed very genuine in terms of his support and in meeting with us. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. so you met with some conservative uh, MPs as well. Um, but uh, it, it was said that uh, and, and, and Andrew Shear declined 
Was that was he busy or did he just decline? Do you know? There was no reason okay. given. Um, they had support from someone on the hill who was mm -hmm. booking and mm -hmm. letting it be known that mm -hmm. they were there and wanting to meet and and certain parties were reaching out. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, the response from Shear's office was mm -hmm. a was a decline. So can we talk a little bit about the history segments that you included with this film? Mm -hmm. uh, it really does help to flesh out the entire story more and bring more depth to, to, the, the, to the, the presentation of what you're doing. Um, but why did you decide to include that? Why did you think it was important? Well, I think that, you know, one of the phrases that gets put out there a lot by non-Indigenous Canadians is, why don't they just get over it? <laughs> right? I mean, mm, how many times yeah, right. have, you know, we've... <laughs> sure. <laughs> and it's like, and, and to me, that just exposes a profound, mm. you know, non-understanding <laughs> ignorance mm. of mm. of the way this country works. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, events in the past, um, it's not in the past. Those events are still yes. cycling through, yes. right? And, and that's, you know, when I was thinking about about this in you know in in the big picture that's what i thought and many others you know were also thinking the same thing you know mm. and it it was it was an idea that was that was definitely um being talked about in you know by indigenous uh academics by community leaders by you know by everybody it was mm. like this is part of a bigger picture and mm -hmm. but most canadians don't know that and mm. and you know people will say it's a failure of the education system, but it's actually the way the education system's designed. It's designed to not teach those That's things, right? right? Yes. And, you know, even, you know, there's so many ripples that, that are still happening. So, yeah, I just felt it was really important that people understand the context of what happened in the Battlefords area, mm -hmm. that it was a time when Canada sent troops to fire a cannon against women and children, mm. You know that that this this is part of our history, and that you know those those eight warriors had you know it was a travesty mm -hmm. within the legal system yeah. to be tried by a judge who was avowedly anti-indigenous mm -hmm. and prejudiced against mm -hmm. indigenous people, and he sentenced them to death right. without they didn't have a lawyer, right? You know, and eight, to have a lawyer, and you right. know the British system, the Canadian mm -hmm. system is pretty entrenched at that point where yeah. you have a lawyer. You know, that's that's not a recent thing, but it was perfectly fine, you know, to have that happen. So, you know, I just wanted to draw those lines and, and make those connections. Yeah. And was it difficult to pick the pieces that you wanted to include oh, in that? That was so hard. <laughs> it it met, underwent many, 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 many revisions mm. and um, because it is a long, complicated history and yeah. how to tell it. You know, and I knew we couldn't do 15-minute segments, sure. you know, as it yeah. was. Mm -hmm. The producers were a little bit nervous mm -hmm. when I was like, four to six-minute <laughs> animation. And they were like, really, Tasha? And I'm like, yes, you know. But I just, you know, I, I thought of it in a way of, like, me telling a story to my son and nephew. Like, that's how I thought of them, is, is sure. how do you tell that story Right. To them, sure. that that it's not going to be the full history. There's no. many details that are yeah. missing, but it gives you a sense of of some of the depth of, of those events. Yeah, it does. And and especially, you know, in terms of you mentioned the hanging, but also how uh, food was used as a as a means of, of, you know, making people cave in is essentially denying yeah. them food. Well, um, and people will say that it's like, oh, well, we're better than the United States yeah. because we didn't send military, you know, mm, and it's like, mm. no, you just starved us to death. Right. You just took the slow road, right. you know, <laughs> and, and killing off the buffalo yeah. and yeah. all of those things. All of those things. Um, yeah. So um, we're we're getting close to the end of our time, unfortunately, because it would be great to to talk more. But um, I would like to know you are your family is going to make a, a, be a make a statement to, uh, tomorrow at the film. Is there anything else you would like to mention uh, that we haven't talked about thus far? Well, in relation to the historical components of the film, um, there was the part where we we shed light on the fact that they brought out the students from the residential schools to see oh. if these hangings taking place, and to right. me that 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 is. Um, that takes place. That took place again with regards to my late brother Colton, as well as those other witnesses. You know, this is what happens to 
indigenous peoples uh, when it comes to colonial laws and the message that it's sending to indigenous youth all across this country in that, you know, that they are, they are less than. But my message to them is that you are so important, you are so valuable, and you, you are irreplaceable. And not to believe the, the, the racist comments and perceptions and attitudes out there. And that no matter what happens, you have a community of people that stand with you, behind you, and many ancestors who, who believed in you and you know, made sacrifices for us to be here today. And by my family and I standing up and speaking out and the work of Tasha Hubbard with this film, you know, we're instilling that resilience and that strength and that love to our indigenous peoples across the country, but especially to our youth, you know, to Kwana and Oskaya in the film, you know, like we, we love them as we love all the children across the nation. So our message to you is, you know, we, we love you and um, we stand, we stand up, we will stand up. So. Nicely said. Uh, Tasha, any, any final words? Mm. Just that I, you know, I, I think that people who have enjoyed relative safety in the past, I, I hope that, you know, not just because of this film, but I just, I hope in general that people realize that we're, we're heading in a, in a direction of intolerance and it's, you know, it gathers strength the more that people are silent around it mm. and um you know i i think you know alberta is running a story right now of the the rise of hate groups in that province yeah. and you know that that story could be written in every corner mm-hmm. of this country and mm-hmm. it's going to take everybody you know to to uh push back mm. against that um and not allow it to uh to grow right nicely said well, once again, I just want to mention, if you're interested in seeing this film, uh, there's a couple of chances for you to see it at Hot Docs tomorrow at the Ted Rogers Cinema at 9.45 p.m. That's Thursday, April 25th. Saturday, April 27th at 1 p.m. at the Tiff Bell Lighthouse Box 2. And on Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. at the Isabel Bader Theatre. And that's at 10 a.m. as well. And uh, keep an eye out for this uh, film uh, being in your in a theater near you, or you can always uh, look it up online. I'm sure to find out more information about it. Do you guys have a, a website or something that's associated? We um, we'll have a Facebook page okay. that'll be coming live mm-hmm. um, soon, and we're just we were waiting for some of the theatrical dates to get <laughs> to get okay. uh, determined. And um, yeah, it'll be the name of the film, and, mm-hmm. and uh, people can get more information. And there's also information on the nfb.ca website as well, as they're our co-producer mm-hmm. for the film. And um, so once again, uh, there will be a statement made tomorrow by the family at the film, and uh, there'll be somewhat, I guess, of a, of a Q&A or something to that, uh, that measure as well. Uh, I just want to say chimigwech anyawa uh, and also winishi to both of you for coming in today and sharing this with us. And I wish you all the best in the future. I, I certainly hope this... This has, has good outcomes for the future. Uh, and again, my, our condolences to you uh, and your family. Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We're going to go out with uh, a, an actual song that is uh, at the end of the film. Um, and I believe you said it was Prayer by mm-hmm. Bernstick. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, at the end of the film as the credits are running. We're going to play this now. Uh, I want to say uh, thanks for listening. And uh, I'm your host, David Moses. And we'll see you again. <laughs>